0: Let's pray, dear Heavenly Father. We thank you for your goodness and your love to us, Lord. Allowing us to assemble together in your name, Lord, we thank you and we ask that you would remind us always of the uh, to enjoy this great freedom that you've given us. And Lord, we just ask that you would bless our time together tonight. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Right. <coughs> And going over just some of the figures as we are getting ready for the new year to begin. And I'll tell you, we have a lot to be thankful for. I was able to send Brother Randolph uh, a text this week. And uh, our missions giving has had the largest increase since our missions conference that, that I know about in the history of our church. And I think I know the history of our church pretty well. Uh, and so uh, this is exciting, and uh, we have a surplus in our missions fund. Normally, uh, for the Home Missions Conference, I'm having to come, can we borrow from this fund and, and that fund? And, and uh, it is usually very, very tight to come up with the, uh, the, the money for the Home Missions Conference at Heartland. And uh, just keep giving the way you are, and uh, we'll be able to just take it right out of the account and go. And uh, uh, so we've paid all of our uh, obligations for the month of December already. And uh, right now we have about $4,500 in our missions fund. And so that's something praise the Lord about. And uh, that's uh, uh, what the – and the more you give, the more we're going to do amen and so uh, just want to praise the Lord for that Uh, the Lord's brought us through some trying times this year and we paid off that loan and I'll tell you uh, I was just thinking about our theme verses about being rooted and grounded in him and uh, put together as lively stones a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices and You know, and uh, we are reaching out and helping Community Baptist Church and Union Baptist Church and Morris Park. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think we're seeing the Lord do some of those things in our church. And that's something to be thankful for. And you know who we need to be thankful for? You know, I I was thinking, boy, I'd I'd like to just get up and say thankful. Thank you to the people of our church. But that's really not who deserves the thankfulness, is it? It's the Lord working in the people of our church. You know, I finally figured out that's what I hate about that song, uh, that missionary song, uh, Thank You for Giving to the Lord, because it's taking things that belong to God and attributing it to people. Now, that's not what we want to do around here. Amen? Because if we start getting our eyes on ourselves, God's going to stop working. But if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, we will see him work. And tonight, I'd like us just to look at a few things that will keep us from fainting. I don't know if you've ever fainted before. Uh, Most people have it one time or another. Uh, It's usually a a scary thing. Sometimes you just get up out of a chair too fast. Uh, If you have one of those recliners and you sit back in it and you just pop right up out of that thing or jump up out of bed, you can sometimes get the blood flow in the wrong direction and, and have a little bit of problem here. And uh, what I'd like for us to do is start in Luke chapter 18. And, and this is a famous parable. We've been over it many times. I, I hope you don't mind to just look at it one more time. We're, we're not going to be in detail because we've got uh, several other passages that we want to go to. Just kind of a review here. But Jesus tells us right at the beginning of this parable, he gives us the purpose of it, Luke eighteen one, and he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Okay, so right as we start this story here, the the purpose is here, the the teaching is that if we will take that angst that, that worry, that uh, turmoil in our inner soul, and instead of trying to figure things out, pray. You know, one of the things about prayer is that, is there anything that we can biblically pray for to God that God cannot answer? I mean, is there anything that God cannot do except violate the principles and the truths of this book called the Bible? God's not going to do that. So, don't pray for God to strike your enemies dead and all those kinds. God's not going to do that. Uh, That was one of the problems that the Jewish people had with their fasting and praying. They were fasting and praying They that God would hurt people. And, and God says, I'm not answering those kinds of prayers. But it says here to the end that we ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, here is the point. With prayer, as long as I can biblically, honestly pray for something, what have I not let go of? Hope. Hope. Amen. I can believe that God can do anything. That God will work. And so he gives the story of the unjust judge and we know that uh, this is just a made-up story that this man, he didn't care about God. He didn't care about anybody but himself. And the widow woman says, avenge me. And she comes up the next day and the next day. And finally he says, I, I'm going to do what she says. Because it would really look bad for a judge to beat up on an old widow lady. So I'm going to take care of her. And the thought that has always come to mind is how often do we treat God like The unjust judge. And saying, I pray and I pray and I pray and God, you don't answer my prayers. You know something? And and by the way, I'm not going to give you that one. God always answers every prayer. Yes, no, or maybe. No. That's second grade love letters, right? Do you remember those? Do you like me? I like you. Circle one, yes, no, maybe. Uh, And that's not... uh, God answers prayer. But he always answers it according to his will. Amen? And when God changes your will, he'll fix What's inside that's what it means. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord can change my desires and my needs. The word want means to have a need. Have you ever thought that you just can't get through life? You just have to have this one thing to help you. Anybody ever been there? They finally get it. And it takes more work and it just adds to the workload. Instead of helping make it easier. And, uh, and so what, what we have to understand is that true biblical prayer is going to keep us from fainting. Fainting is when we lose hope in God. You know, people often get to a point, they say, I just have no way out. I don't know what to do. Wait a minute. Men are always to pray and not to faint. That—that That is what the parable is about. And then Jesus asked this question here at the end of, of the parable. And I want us just to touch on this. It says, I tell you, verse 8 that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Here's what Jesus says. When I come back, am I going to find faith on the earth or is everybody going to have quit, gone home? Boy, that's, that's a pretty tough question, isn't it? But you know, in this world... Of eclectic theology, meaning you get to pick and choose what God you want to believe in, and you can add the toppings and the colors, and and, and, and you, it's a designer God. I mean, he just fits you to a T. Now, if I will pray always and not faint, you know who the designer is. God is. You know who's being designed? Me. I can always trust God and His Word. I never have to throw my hands up and say, I, I, I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. Uh, I I'm Hey, I'll tell you what to do. Pray. Prayer doesn't change God. Aren't you glad God doesn't need our prayers to motivate Him to do things? But what prayer does is it changes us so God can do what He wanted to do in the first place. You have to understand God always wants what is best. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we are just going to skim through this entire chapter here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm sorry. I have to talk to my typist here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's me, by the way. It says, Therefore, seeing we have we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So, we look at this first verse and it says, Therefore, seeing... We have this ministry. What is that ministry? Well, you go back to uh, uh, chapter 3, and it is taking the gospel to the world in which we live. It is getting close enough to God that we can take his message to people that we meet in this world. And when God changes us so that people will listen to us, There's, there's nothing more encouraging than being able to witness to another human being. Sometimes it's scary, isn't it? Especially if it's family or somebody that we know well, and we, uh, this, but we, we start in, in, uh, verses, uh, um, uh, two through six. It says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the, thru- of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And we go on and it says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face. Of Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget how God saved you. And hold on to the light. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. That, that is our hope. That is our continuance. That is the reason that we never have to be Discouraged or give up, but there's, there's gonna be difficulties. The next verse says we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. And then it goes on to give a whole list of things here. It says we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Here's what Paul was saying. I left part of my life in Corinth. You know, you only have so many hours, so many days, so many years that you're going to live. And the Apostle Paul had been in Corinth for quite a long time, over 18 months. He had, it was the second longest place he stayed. The longest time was at Ephesus. He spent a great deal of time here. He invested his life in these people. And he said, my investment. And, and there was a lot of things that happened in Corinth now, wonder A lot of persecution, a lot of difficulties. Paul had written them one letter dealing with problems and, and terrible things that were going on in the church. And this is the second letter that he has written them. And, and he is saying, listen this isn't the easy way out. He said, my life is in danger constantly for the cause of Jesus Christ. But you know what? When I see that people like you at Corinth are serving God, that tells me my life investment is good. And that's what we need. And we need to invest our, our life, we, we cannot quit taking the gospel to the world. We're going to have problems. But look at verse 16. It says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know, this is the problem with all false religion is false religion works from the outside in. That's why they're always trying to sprinkle water on you or baptize you or something like that. They they are trying to do something on the outside to reform you on the inside. Uh, They teach you how to say and recite little prayers and they teach you to do this and do that and, and everything will change. Wrong. If you want real change, how do you get it? It starts on the inside and comes out. Like the story of the little boy. Hey, Daddy, how tall was Jesus? He said, well, I I don't know. We don't know. We don't have any pictures. Well, I I, I just want to know. And he said, well, son, he was the size of an average man. I guess that would put him about 5'3", maybe 5'7". We don't know, in those days, people were a little shorter than they are today, but uh, uh, and why, what's the problem? He said, well, if Jesus is that big, shouldn't he be sticking out if he's living inside of me? And uh, I think somebody made that up, but I like it. I like to use it. If Jesus is really living inside, shouldn't he be sticking out? Amen? Amen. And that's what this verse, it's talking about being renewed in the inward man. Letting God change us on the inside. If you want to keep going, you know, sometimes I stop and I think, wow, 26 years. That's a long time to be right here. But, when we talk about heaven, that's a really short time. And we just need to keep going. You know, most churches, when they reach the age our church is right now, they plateau, they just stop, and they start on a backward decline. Uh, I don't want that for this church, do you? You know how we're going to do that? We've got to keep being renewed in the inward man. Individually and together as a church, we've got to keep our focus. It says, for our light affliction, you know, that's what the problem is. We think what we're going through is not light. But, hey, listen, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We've got to keep our eyes on the eternal. Number one, we've got to keep praying. Number two, we've got to be renewed in the inward man. We've got to keep our eyes not on the physical, but on the eternal. And if you would, just go a few pages to the book of Galatians, if you would. In one of the most famous passages in the Bible, we quote this. Uh, we have it put to music, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And uh, let's just get a little context here in, in, in this passage here. For uh, We start in verse 1, that if a man be overtaken in a false... If someone is struggling in their spiritual life, that someone who is spiritual is to come alongside and restore them and pick them up in a spirit of meekness, we are to bear one another's burdens, we're to help one another, but, wait a minute, what's it say in verse 4? But every, but let every man prove his own work then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Every time I read that verse, I I think of a little child learning to walk. You know what? They'll take a step or two and boom, they'll fall down. Sometimes it's backwards on the place God meant for them to fall down on. And sometimes it's forward. And then they're going to be crying and because and, uh, uh, they banged their nose or their head or something like that. But, they keep getting up and they keep going and there comes a time where it's like, no, I'm going to do it on my own. Boom. You know what? How many of you have ever been there spiritually? We all have. But here's the thing. Every one of us has to stand on our own two feet before God. We call this the priesthood of the believer. It's one of the most sacred doctrines we hold as Baptist people, as Bible-believing people. It separates us. I want you to pray. I'm trying to teach uh, the church out there, a community. They had a a Bible church preacher in all summer long because he was retired and in the area. And, And he just started... Lowering the level and lowering the level and brought some confusion in people's mind about doctrine and, and trying to rebuild this in the church and help them understand that listen Bible doctrine is important. The priesthood of the believer is one of, is one of the greatest uh, uh, contributions that Baptist people have made to society as a whole. Our freedoms are based on this doctrine. But you know what? It's easy to just let other people carry you along. And that's the context. Because then we get to verse 6. It says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. One of the reasons I preach and teach, and we have men like Brother Randolph come in to teach and preach on missions, is because we want something to happen. We want people to do things. We want to change in the way we walk during the week. And then it says, "...Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption." But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know what? Pray for opportunities. To reach out and help someone. Amen. Pray for those opportunities to do good. And keep in mind that there is a season of reaping. We don't want to lose what God is doing in our lives. As a pastor, one of the saddest things I have to witness is people struggling in their lives. And they'll get to a point to where if they'll only do right. One more time. Things will really change. And they don't. Then they'll get back up to that same point and fall back. Let me tell you something. You keep your eyes on what the season of reaping. That's what heaven's about. We're, We're not reaping the harvest while we're here on this earth. We're 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 gonna see some sometimes God will let us see a little bit of what happens and, and the good things in life, but most of the time we've we've got to put that off until we get to eternity. Let us take advantage of every opportunity. In fact, even the world knows this. If you're battling depression, what do they tell you? Go help somebody else. That's what they tell you. You know what? Even the psychologists aren't wrong about everything, right? But what we need to understand is that if we'll take advantage of those opportunities God puts before us to do the good, we're going to reap in due season if we faint not. Let's turn to just one more passage here. And that's the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews 12 starts out with giving us the picture, the illustration of being compassed with a great cloud of witnesses and running a race with patience, with the crowds looking to us. And it says that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and we're to consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Verse 4... Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Now, what the author is telling the people he's writing to is you're alive, you're reading the book, you're not dead yet. There's, there's a life to be lived. And then he goes on and says, Ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And so we'll take a moment here and go back to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And just read that exhortation one more time. Verses 11 and 12, it says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Now, this was Solomon speaking to Rehoboam, and he's trying to encourage Rehoboam uh, in, in the things of the Lord. And the book of Ecclesiastes was written because Solomon failed. And we come here to chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews and the writer, the author of the book of Hebrews, humanly speaking, is reminding those that would read the book, that includes you and I today, that when God makes things difficult, now when we read the word chastening, that means corporal punishment, now, God is not going to turn you over his knee, as our parents may have when we were little children. But God has ways of making life difficult. In fact, we get down to, uh, what is it, verse 11 here. It says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Uh, you know, that's one little bit of advice for parents uh, when you're trying to, Discipline your children. You have to make the punishment worse than the offense. Uh, the, uh, the uh, 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 yeah, uh, we'll just leave it right there. And, and it says that God does this. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You see, God never chastens us solely for His benefit. He chastens us to improve our ability to serve Him. God wants to help us be better servants. The moment you step into eternity... You're going to understand how much we missed in our service for Christ. Often try to tell young people you cannot, you never will understand what you lose. By giving away those things the Bible says should be saved for marriage until you walk down that aisle. You see, we we don't get it right now. But it says, if we endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers... Then are ye bastards and not sons. What, what it's simply saying here is that if God is not making your life difficult from time to time to help you straighten out, that you're not one of His children. God loves His children. Said this so many times, if you want to hate your kids, don't discipline. Don't correct them. There is nothing more damaging you can do. We feel, get our sense of security and safety from the rules and knowing that words mean things. One of the problems we have today is no words mean anything today. Because we've Change the meanings we have just demeaned our communication about the only thing that means anything today is profanity, and that never has meant anything. It just means that whoever 's talking to you is mad. Uh, and what we must understand is that God is trying to teach us his words are real. He is going to chasten us not. Just because He's tired of putting up with us. But because He wants to make us worthy servants of Almighty God. You know, isn't that the goal? We, we come down here and finish verse, um, uh, verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit that we might be partakers of His holiness. Have you thought about that? It says that God wants us to be partakers of His holiness. What is the great attribute of God? Is it not His holiness? Peter put it that we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, if we want to keep going. Number one, pray. Amen? Number two, get that renewal of the inward man. Let God do the work on the outside before you try doing the work. I mean, the work on the inside before you do the work on the outside. Got it right, I think. Right? Is that correct? Okay, good. And and, uh, we've got to keep our eyes also on the things that are not seen rather than the things that are seen and realizing number 3 that there is a season of reaping and if we do not faint we will reap in due season lastly when god turns up the heat when he makes life difficult and and he will I mean, they will they're going. There just will come times in your Christian life where it's just like reading the Bible is just words, uh, praying prayers is just saying your prayers. It it just feels like nothing is happening. You know what God's doing? He's trying to get you to the next level. He's trying to make you put forth the effort that is necessary because. He wants you to be a partaker of His holiness. Amen? He wants you to be prepared for heaven. Don't forget the exhortation. Now, we understand Rehoboam didn't fare very well because he didn't listen. But we don't have to follow Rehoboam's example. Amen? And what we need to do is keep serving God because guess what He's coming back soon let us tonight covenant together as a church to pray, to be renewed to look forward to that season of reaping and remember that God is trying to build us not just use us and all God's people said let's pray dear Heavenly Father we come before you this night we thank you for your word We thank you for what's in it. Lord, we thank you for the spirit that has been in our church and the willingness and the sacrifice of people here and and the participation. We just ask, Lord, that you would give us your grace and your wisdom to keep serving you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play. If you need to come and pray, the altar's open.